0: church family. Let's stand to our feet. It's a beautiful day to be in the house of the Lord. Praise His name.
1: She's praising this morning. She's praise.
0: glory. Thank you, God. Church, just be still for a moment. Just wait on the Lord. When we wait on the Lord. We, we focus on Him, right? Holy Spirit, Lord Jesus, come into this place. Fill this atmosphere, God. Rule in our hearts. God, whatever the distractions in our life, whatever the burdens, the With God, let's just place them at your altar, place them before you, God. Remind us of who you are. praise Jesus with our hands. Let's clap and applaud you, Lord, for all that you have done, all that you're going to do. Church, you may be seated. Judy, good morning.
2: Good morning, church. I'm Judy Tribute, the women's minister here at Anastasia. And I am so thrilled to be with you today, and we are just blessed to have you in this place. Just a couple of things I want to share with you. You will see on the screen uh, a connect number. where. Um, just to better connect with you or change it to a phone number and that phone number If you want to grab a pencil or paper or on your phone, you're gonna put in 904-441-6900 And that when you get that number, then you're gonna just put in the one number uh, Connect and if you're new here, that's how you connect with us uh, You can go in and fill out a digital card or if you have a prayer request, you can put that as well There for you Also, if you... Um, want to know more about what's going on in the church, you're going to, again, I'm going to give you the number. and We'll all have it by the time I'm finished. 904. What is it? 441. All right, you got it. And if you want to know though, what's going on in the church, you can also go there and put in the word news. Now, we have some things going on, and you'll be able to see that as well within the, uh, the body of that information. You can look and find out what all the ministries are doing. We have quite a few of those going. And also the word give. If you'd like to give, you can do that. And also you can go out into the atrium. We have boxes for giving uh, for you as well. But just put in that word give as well, and you will connect. to 904... Amen. Thank you so much. You're getting it as well as I am. See, we're learning it together. So that's good. Also, SMAC will be starting tomorrow. That's our children's music and art camp. Um, We have about 130 kids already signed up for that. There's never too late. So if you want to sign your child up, go ahead and do that. Um, Also on that news, our women's uh, Bible studies start September 1. That's also there for you in the digital bulletin. And I've already had ladies signing up. So we'd love to have you for that as well. You guys have a blessed. Bless day today and we'll see you next week. God bless you.
3: Good morning. <clears throat> One crisp autumn afternoon the subways of 14th Street were crammed packed with commuters back and forth. There sat a tall man with a thick African braided hat, his dreadlocks tightly bound up top. He sits on a worn out amplifier. His name's Ishmael Levi. and He begins to play this song, Leonard Cohen's 1984 Hallelujah song. He begins that first chord. Now I've heard heard there was a secret chord that David played and pleased the Lord. I got heads shaking, y'all know that song. He gets to the refrain, hallelujah, hallelujah. And by that time, businessmen have stopped, propped up against the back rail, holding their briefcases, staring off into the abyss of the subway tunnel. Mothers have gathered their children and just watching Ishmael's hands hit that guitar. Everything stopped, everything slowed down and there's something about a sweet song like that that can disrupt the flow of your daily narrative. Again, my name is David. I'm the adult pastors here, pastor here, or adult ministries pastor. I'll get it right on the second service. <laughs> We've been covering revelations. We've been going through this beautiful narrative, but pretty thick narrative of apocalyptic genre. Now I'll be covering chapter 15 this morning and we'll get to see a beautiful disruptive song that God brings in to this pretty thick clump of apocalyptic language. So if you have your Bible, will, will you turn with me to Revelations 15? Now we start to see God's ultimate triumphant completed work over victory. And we get to this one section. So will you stand with me? Chapter 15. Then I saw another sign in heaven, great and amazing, seven angels with seven plagues, which are the last. For with them, the wrath of God is finished. And I saw what appeared to be a sea of glass mingled with fire. And also those who had conquered the beast and its image and the numbers of its name, standing beside the sea of glass with harps of God in their hands. And they sing the song of Moses, the servant of God, the song of the lamb, saying, great and amazing are your deeds, Lord God, the almighty. Just and true are your ways, king of the nations. Who will not fear, O Lord, and glorify your name? For you alone are holy. All nations will come and worship you, for your righteous acts have been revealed. After this, I looked, and the sanctuary of the tent of witness in heaven was opened. And out of the sanctuary came the seven angels with seven plagues, clothed in pure bright linen, with golden sashes around their chests. And one of the four living creatures gave to the seven angels seven golden bowls full of the wrath of God, who lives forever and ever. And the sanctuary was filled with smoke from the glory of God and from his power. And no one could enter the sanctuary until the seven plagues of the seven angels were finished. Thank you, you may be seated. So this is a series of long discourse that we could track all the way back to chapter 12. John, the author here is writing about seeing visions and allegories of the coming Messiah. We also saw the spiritual warfare associated with this. The narrative culminates with Jesus on Mount Zion and the 144,000. And it continues as a description of his harvest on God's earth as he executes judgment. And that'll be chapter 14. So this vision is uh, the third vision in a cycle of visions. And the first Two verses say this, Then I saw another sign in heaven, great and amazing, seven angels with seven plagues, which are the last. For with them the wrath of God is finished. And I saw what appeared to be a sea of glass mingled with fire. And also those who had conquered the beast and its image and the number of its name, standing beside the sea of glass with harps of God in their hands. So we're progressing through this story and we see this setting. We see these angels Angels are the agents of God. They execute God's earthly judgment. We see this in Sodom and Morah in Genesis. We saw this over the opponents of God in Exodus, second Kings. We even saw it over Israel. You can track that all the way back to Exodus and second Samuel. In Acts, we also see that is um, him against Heron Antipas. Angels are restrained by God's mercy. Angels proclaim God's sovereignty. Angels announce God's final judgment. Angels hold back God's final judgment. They carry out God's final warnings and they gather everybody for final judgment. And we get to this chapter and we see they enact that final judgment. These are the third signs in this apocalyptic narrative as I've spoken before. They differ from the first plagues we saw in chapter 12. These are seven and they correspond similarly to the judgments of Egypt in those plagues. They're called the last plagues because they bring about God's wrath to completion. So what's the takeaway? Seven, uh, seven plagues, seven bulls, seven angels. The number seven is usually typically associated with the perfection and completion of God. God's bringing things to a completion. He's bringing things that he has begun to a close perfectly. Wholeness to the whole world. Flourishing will come un- unencumbered by the weight of evil. Now we will look at God's transcendence. He is above all, but one of the takeaways I would love to bring to you is his imminence. He's also involved with you. God is com- uh, committed to the finality of the events of revelation. We see this continuously played throughout the book. That's part of his divine attribute. He is a perfect God. Now there's something about the perfect nature of God that is both alluring, but it's also repelling. Now, what do I mean by this? When we encounter the perfect nature of God, we also encounter our imperfections as well. Now, in a way, this is honoring to God, but it also creates and can create emotional and relational distancing from him. Now, granted, our first encounter with God, we see his moral standard, and we realize we fall short, but God, great in his grace, great in his mercy, closes the gap, and the restoration process begins. And he sees us in the totality of that process and names us on the basis of what he sees and knowing he will bring it to completion. How do I know this? Hebrews 10, why don't we turn there? But when Christ had offered for all time a single sacrifice for sins, he sat down at the right hand of God, waiting from that time until his enemies should be made a footstool for his feet. For by a single offering, he has perfected for all time those who are being sanctified. You see, in the presence of God, those parts of you that feel dangerous, that maybe feel dark, maybe feel disgusting, might be pulling you away from getting close to his beauty, his perfection, to woo your heart to delight and to delight in him. Shame will pull you away. Shame will pull you away from him. And it will offer you up something other than what you were designed to delight in. But you see, that's the work of evil. And God's bringing that to completion. How many of us can lean into the fact that God will complete the work he has started? Now, maybe in the end times, David, but that doesn't translate into my life. That doesn't translate into my brother's and sister's life. That doesn't translate in the lives around me. Another beautiful scripture, Philippians 1.6. And I am sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Christ Jesus. We can be sure of that. He is faithful to complete the good work he has done in us. In fact, even when we're faithless, he is faithful 2nd Titus 2.13. We do not serve an irresponsible God. We do not serve a God who leaves things halfway. He is committed to the plan of the world and he's also committed to you. So we see, we taste, we, we embrace the perfection of God and then maybe two minutes later we forget. God draws us to Remembrance but he does so with beautiful disruptions. But like I said, (laughs) it comes with the the word, they're disruptive. Sometimes we get caught up in the world. We, We don't stop to attune our hearts, to see God, to embrace him. So we need an interlude, kind of a small break in the narrative of our daily flow. Interludes, they sew parts of stories together they carry us from what was, and they, we, they bring us into what is, what is to come. So, what do we see in this scripture? The band begins to play. And they don't just play any type of, of instruments. If you notice, they play the instruments that were passed out by God himself. Verse 3 says this. And they sing the song of Moses, the servant of God, the song of the Lamb, saying, Great and amazing are your deeds, Lord God, the Almighty. Just and true are your ways, King of nations. Who will not fear, O Lord, and glorify your name? For you alone are holy. All nations will come and worship you. And for your righteous acts have been revealed. So the song of Moses is this interesting song. It appears and an important part of Israel's history it's, it appears initially when it when the transition of power or leadership excuse me went from Moses to Joshua you can find that in Deuteronomy 32 but you can also find it in Paul's writings he makes mention of it in the book of Romans he also makes mention of it in first Corinthians and you can also find it in Hebrews chapter 1 and chapter 10 the song has this kind of i kind of like this it's not structured just shows up and it disrupts, Um, but there's something about the disruption that uh, I think is so good because we see the song of Moses, the song of the lamb, the song of Christ. They're, They're both people who bring deliverance, so we see this disruption, but we see this disruption because it enhances the glory of God, the greatness of God, and the awesomeness of God. We see great and amazing this controlling God who has influence over the course of the world. That's why his name's Almighty. So we slow down to catch up with God. We slow down to catch up with a a God, whose ways are just and true. I don't know about you, but that brings comfort to me. Especially when I experience the shifts of life and the betrayals of life. How many of us in this room have felt deep betrayal in your life. You've placed your hands in the faith of another another person or another system and you thought they would give you something that your heart delighted in but it only came back with deep betrayal and with that you long for justice you, your anger sees and you maybe speak out you should have been there for me you shouldn't have let me down. You may have turned your hand to God and said, where were you? Claiming he's irresponsible, uncaring, doesn't see the injustice that you encounter. But you see from this verse, we see it's a claim on God's ways are true. His ways are just. And one way of resolving maybe some of that pain you may carry this morning or have carried Well, there'll be a day and there'll be a time when justice is paid in full, but you may not be there yet. Can you rest that in the hands of the one who can carry that for you and bring closure? And he will bring closure to the world's injustices and he won't leave things undone because he's a God of completion and a God of perfection. His righteous deeds have come and they've been, they have come and they will come and they have been revealed to the world. He's not finished, but one day it will be finished. And from there, we'll sing a great, great song, a song of power, a song of his perfection and hope that one day all nations will come and worship. And we see that in that fourth verse. Many of our brothers and sisters who get the tail end of deep, deep injustices and pain throughout the world and feel that anguish will one day have that closure. But we also see God's greatness in question here. His perfection, His purity, but He is holy and Him alone is, He is holy. So will you rejoice also that God will bring all nations to come and worship. There is a sense of unity in that. All nations will come and worship you, the verse says. All people, various cultures will join hearts in worship of God who will deliver us from evil. And he's bringing forth a kingdom of community, of worship that speaks to the wonder and triumph that he carries over evil. And for me, that brings comfort because in this day and age, I see so much division within the church. But one day we will see Ephesians 4 played out to the degree that we will see it as it should be. And Ephesians 4 says this, Ephesians 4, 4. There is one body, one spirit, just as you were called to one hope that belongs to your call. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God, and the father of all who is over all and through all and in all, we saw the transcendence of God and the imminence of God in that last section there. Evil's oppressive, sin is oppressive. Sometimes so oppressive that we don't even recognize how much division it's bringing, but again, God's perfect, and his completion of this is perfect. So let's move into the last few verses here. After this, I looked, and the sanctuary of the tent of witness in heaven was opened. And out of the sanctuary came the seven angels with the seven plagues, clothed in pure, bright linen, with golden sashes around their chests. And one of the four living creatures gave to the seven angels, seven golden bowls full of the wrath of God who lives forever and ever. And the sanctuary was filled with smoke from the glory of God and from his power. And no one could enter the sanctuary until the seven plagues of the seven angels were finished. So we leave the song and we jump back into the narrative. It's put back in motion again the final actions of God's power and his powerful works to eradicate evil. But in the process, we see more of his attributes enhanced. And I think that's what I'd love to hone in on. We see some of these divine attributes of God that are enhanced by this ending here. God is bringing time. He's bringing season. He's bringing these finite created things to a close. But y'all know the good part about that? is he doesn't leave us in our mortality. He steps in and he does something about it. He's invited us and given us access through a person, through a relationship and we become partakers of this eternal glory. First Corinthians 15 says this, when the perishable puts on the imperishable and the mortal puts on immortality, then shall come to pass the saying that is written, death is swallowed up in victory. And we've stepped into this eternal position. And the one who lives forever and ever has joined us to himself. We are the bride of Christ, the church who is united with God in eternal glory. John gives witness to this in his gospel the 14th chapter. Jesus speaking here he says I'm not going to leave you as orphans. And he says this yet a little while the world will see me no more but you will see me. And he goes on to say this because I live it's not up there. <laughs> I'm telling you I'm pretty disruptive when I come up here. It's hard for me to stay off this but this is a great verse for me because what it does, it says, he says, because I live, you live. And he says, one day, this is a comforting passage, John fourteen twenty. write it down on your book. He says, in that day, you will know that I'm in the father, you and me, and I in you. In is a very deep, deep word in scripture. It's, for me, it's the biggest little word in scripture. Because he lives, we live, and we're wrapped up in his infinity, his eternal glory, and God is deserving of all the glory. But we get to display his glory now and we'll display it in the coming of Jesus Christ. Why do I know that? Because there's another beautiful verse that says this, Colossians 3, 4. It ain't up there either. Sorry about that, Jordan. (laughs) It says this, when Christ who is your life appears, you too will appear with him in glory. That's a rich one. He who lives lives forever. He is infinite. He's not finite, and we are his people that share in that infinity or that yeah infinity. I'm not going to go back. Just leave the slides off there. Will you embrace God's eternal power? I think that's what you guys were laughing at over there. It's like I'm way off script. will you witness his glory his power of the Lord we see this in verse 8 we serve a powerful God don't we I'm going to question you on that now how about when powerlessness shows up where do you reach for do you reach for finite resources to power up will you relinquish that over to God's power? Are you in all of God's work? Have you witnessed enough of him where you've come to say, you are great and your ways are great. I trust in your ability to guide me more so than I do myself. That's why he's the great shepherd. So how has powerlessness shown up in your story? How did it present itself? How do you see it in your disillusionment, in your disappointment? How about this one? Where were you made to feel like a fool? Track those moments back where hope was so vibrant. I'll go back, track that moment. Where hope was so vibrant. I mean the taste of something so good in this world only to be left with tragedy in the circumstances. And so what's the debris of that? Well, how'd you insulate? How'd you protect? How'd you protect yourself from what you called a cruel harm-filled world and nobody's getting past all my layers? You might be limiting yourself. I'll go even farther. You might be limiting us from seeing the glory of God being displayed in you through your insulation. Paul writes this beautiful way of being receptive to God's power. Second Colossians 12, he's speaking about Christ talking to him. He says, but he said to me, this is Jesus talking to Paul. He said this, my grace is sufficient for you for my power is made perfect in weakness. So Paul takes those words and then he comes with a therefore, therefore, I will boast all the more gladly in my weaknesses so that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Recognizing it's okay not to be okay, brings such freedom to your soul and gives you so much power and access to a God who says, you don't have to power up, you can let it down and you can rest in me. Something about being honest, something about being open brings incredible amount of power. It cuts the string of past harm. It opens the heart to receive, to receive healing, holiness, and deliverance. Will you invite the spirit of God this morning to reveal that to you, his power, his holiness in your life? Now, it's been really good spending this time with you. And we're gonna get to a a time here this morning of a response. What's your actionables? What are you gonna take away? How are you gonna invite this beautiful nature, perfect nature of God and commit to his completion in your life? How are you gonna participate in that process? Maybe you're here this morning and you haven't taken that step. To start the relationship, maybe it's time to say, "Hey, Jesus, I'm ready." You can start with a, "Yep, that's all it takes." Yep, I'm ready. I mean, no, no big speeches, no grand. Just there you are in your seat, and you say, "Yep, that's it. It's time." You can come see me later. I'd love to talk to you about it. Maybe you've already done that. Maybe it's time to kind of. Navigate how you have insulated, how you've protected. Maybe it might be taking the step to talk to somebody. You know, the book of Revelation is a thick, pretty rich book, isn't it? And I think one of the takeaways for me is this. Jesus, in this third chapter of John, talks about <clears throat> why he came. And he says this, For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. Salvation's for all. Yep. So, will you welcome that this morning? And as I finish, as I get off the stage, I'll be down here. But I will depart with you. It's the last part of Leonard Cohen's song. And it says this. Now I've done my best, but it may not be much. I couldn't feel, so I tried to touch. I've told the truth, man, I didn't come here just to fool you. And even though it may have all gone wrong, I'll stand right here before the Lord of song with nothing, nothing on my tongue, except hallelujah. Let us pray. Father, thank you that you've committed yourself to us. You've displayed it through the work of your cross. You live so that we could live. May we embrace your life this morning. Pray for every heart in this room. May it be filled. May it be filled to the brim as they leave here this morning. Amen.